call the roll. Alder Fair? Here. Rummel? Skidmore? Verveer? Wood? Here. Zellers? Ahrens? Balde? Bidarcila? Carter? Cheeks? Clear? DeMarb? Eskridge? Gruber? Hall? Harrington McKinney? Kemble? King? Alder Palmas, excuse. We have quorum. Quorum present. We're now in session. Okay, the council is in session. At this time, uh, can we... Uh, have a moment to pause uh, and reflect upon the tragedy uh, in, in Orlando. time I move the customary suspension of rules so I formally move to suspend rules 2.04 order of business 2.05 introduction of business 2.24 ordinances 2.25 resolutions for items so designated on the agenda motion is second to suspend on suspension not a debatable motion all those in favor aye aye opposed no motion carries alderman revere uh, at this time uh, mayor I believe that we have a poetry Reading. There, there's our poet laureate. So, introduction by uh, poet laureate Oscar Morales. Thank you. Thank you. Well, thanks a lot. It's been an exciting six months as the 2016-2018 uh, poet laureate. I've uh, had an opportunity to go to classrooms, to be on the radio, be in the t be in the newspaper way too much. And um, but one of the more exciting things is we completed the first part of the city bus lines project and uh, there were over 300 submissions uh, this for the first time they we had submissions in Spanish and uh, we I was able to narrow down up to 30 different poems and then Edgewood College picked about 25 to these will be this is one of the posters that will be featured on the bus or the transfer cards or the ride guides so it's been a pretty exciting six months. I can't wait for the next uh, 18 months, but I'm pretty, pretty excited. And then today is the uh, quarterly reading, and we have a local author uh, who uh, has founded a new organization in town, Arts, Literature, and Laboratory on Winnebago Street. Uh, it's a gallery and performance space. I had an opportunity to perform there a couple of months ago, and I think she's really trying to bring the community together through writing and art. And Rita Mae Reese is the author of the poetry collection, The Alphabet Conspiracy, a past Wallace Stegner Fellow, 
And she, her new book, The Book of Halga, she'll be uh, sharing a few words. Rita May Reese. Thank you. Thank you, Oscar. Um, it's a real pleasure to be here. Thank you all for having me. Um, I just want to give you a word of advice on how to listen to poetry because maybe nobody's ever told you how and you're probably used to listening for information and poetry is very different. So you can relax. You don't have to remember anything I say. Um, you don't even have to understand anything I say. The most important thing about poetry is that you listen to it for pleasure. So just even if you find a word in there that you really enjoy, then... Uh, then you've done a very good job listening to poetry and you can be very proud of yourself. So relax, it won't hurt, or it won't hurt for very long anyway. So it's about a three minute poem. It's called On the Problems of Empathy. Twice a year the orphans come, like Job's children, pawns in a bet made with the devil. You and your mother watch from the porch as Father Whiskey's car rolls up the long dirt drive. The orphans inside ignore the fields, the cows, the pond, the patch of woods. When you were younger, you begged for a brother or even a sister. What should you say to an orphan? You think of your mother's prelude to sympathy. Nothing's easier than burying other people's children, but the orphans are beyond sympathy. Sympathy being one of the problems. How far does it go? Not quite to the horizon. Not even to the trees beyond the pond. The orphans, their still breathing lie in cabbage smelling bodies, are also a problem. Father Whiskey, with his lazy eye, thinks a good Catholic family with only one child is both problem and solution. One blue eye looks at your mother, the other looks at God, looking at you. You know, sympathy requires action or at least words, and the empathy is merely the crippled gravity we each emit. Father Whiskey sees God looking at you as if. If you believed in the creed, the Holy Ghost, and all that he has tried to tell you, if you could even look a statue of Mary in the eye, then you could reach out a hand, lay it on this boy's scrubbed forehead, make him your brother. Later in college, in a winter of mind and place, you will read Edith Stein's On the Problem of Empathy. Now, though, she is of no help to you. You stand on the front porch and wait for the miracle to begin in your shoulder and travel down through your fingertips. The way you've heard lightning tries to escape the body. In a few months, there will be different orphans. Then the time comes, but no orphans. Years later, in a city where you can't speak the language, you will pass a woman sitting on the pavement, a burnt-out shell of a woman holding an infant. The baby is sleeping. On his head, a robin's egg, blue bonnet, spotless. Your problem is you feel too much or not at all. Their grown bodies move past you. Thank you. Thank you. Alderman um, Revere. Thank you. The next uh, item on our agenda then would be agenda item number two, honoring resolution recognizing June 26th as Capital City Hughes Day. And I'm not sure, Mayor, if you'd like to read it or Alderperson B. Darcilo would like to read it. Resolution. Thank you, Alderperson Bidar. We'll read the resolution for us. Thank you. 
um, it's my pleasure to read this resolution. Whereas the city of Madison recognizes its diversity as one of its greatest strengths and appreciates the culture and contributions of our various communities of color, all of whom add to the greatness of our city. And whereas the capital city, Hughes, was founded in 2006 as a multicultural newspaper owned, written, and read by people of color and people in the Madison area interested in race relations and multiculturalism. And whereas the capital city Hughes celebrates Madison's diversity and gives a positive voice to people who may not be adequately represented in the mainstream media. And whereas the capital city Hughes is dedicated to helping the Madison area evolve into a more cosmopolitan community where all people are free socially, politically, and culturally to pursue liberty and happiness. And whereas the capital city Hughes is celebrating its 10th year anniversary with the Hughes 10th anniversary celebration, celebrating the Madison area's communities of culture on the grounds of the Madison Labor Temple on Sunday, June 26, 2016. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the mayor and common council hereby recognize June 26, 2016 as the capital city Hughes Day. Be it further resolved that the mayor and common council congratulate the communities of color represented in the capital city Hughes and their significant contribution to the city of Madison and its quality of life. Thank you. And we have John Bradley. Francis Huntley Cooper, our uh, chair and one of our partners since the beginning. Don Krim, one of our newer partners. Uh, Gwen Jones, another one of our partners from the beginning. Art Chagoni and Don Chagoni, who have been helping us plan the 10 year anniversary celebration. So they came to accept this award with us and on behalf of us. And so thank you. Mm-hmm. About 15 years ago, when I was the editor of the um, Madison Times, I had this illusion that I could learn Spanish. And so uh, I found out I'm missing that part of my brain or it never quite developed very well. So we hired a tutor uh, by the name of Leo Irabaran, and we would spend an hour or two every Friday trying to teach me Spanish. When we both realized it was an impossible task, we oftentimes drifted to talking about Chile, uh, that Leo uh, grew up uh, and emigrated here from uh, Chile. And we talked about art because uh, Leo is a, a muralist and has several murals in Madison schools here. And so the thing that we always talked about was art being revolutionary. Oftentimes, art does not depict us the way we are now. Art depicts us the way we ought to be or will be in the future. So in that way, the capital city Hughes, we try to reflect who we will be in the future, that we hope. And so in that sense, through the stories that we just turn out every other week for the last 10 years or so, 
that people, by seeing them, ingesting them, by talking about them, by experiencing them, will then hopefully in our small way allow this new world to come about here in the city of Madison, which is the hub of our life here in Dane County. It's the center of commerce, the center of art, the center of all of our communities. And so for that reason, I'm very grateful. We're all very grateful for this honor that you've bestowed on us tonight. Thank you. Before us is a uh, motion to uh, adopt the resolution. Uh, Alderman Aaron's question for the speaker. I have a question. I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry, just making arrangements to do a story. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't let me interrupt. Uh, no. Uh, when is the party, and can you get tickets there? Oh, I've been um, asked that many times in the last couple of days. It's Sunday on the grounds of the Labor Temple. Now, technically, our um, deadline was uh, two days ago. Um, and you know that the wor I've come to realize once again many times that the world does not revolve around me and my deadlines. Uh, <laughs> and so, therefore, I've been advertising it for about four months. I got 140 tickets through last Wednesday, I thought it was going to be a complete failure and kind of hit out at my house for a while, uh, getting used to be called a failure. And then I've gotten 320 in the last four or five days as people finally realized that, oh, my gosh, there's a deadline. So um, if you call me up tomorrow morning with your credit card, um, 241-2000, this is not a commercial, but... Um, <laughs> But I've got to give the counts and everything to our restaurants because we have five restaurants that are cooking for us. And everybody and there, it's not like they have a big cash flow. So I've got to get money to them so they can purchase the food and stuff like that. But for your sake and for mine, um, uh, if you call me up at 241-2000 before 9 o'clock tomorrow morning, and I say 9 o'clock because I teach a people program class with uh, nine middle schoolers from 9 to 12 tomorrow. And so... Um, so if you call me up, or I'll be home about uh, about 9 o'clock tonight, and you can call me up then till about 11, because I'll be up working many details, many moving parts that don't always work together. So, oh, they're only $20, and it's, in my humble opinion, it's a great deal. Um, so you get food from Bantai, A Taste of Africa, Kip's Kitchen, uh, Dine Taco, which is basically uh, they're making Indian tacos that have fry bread as the base. Um, see, from Bantai, we're having yellow curry with chicken or tofu, uh, chocolate chop ice cream, beer from the, from the next door brewery, um, and water and soda, all for just $20. <laughs> and what, what time is the, is the party? It's like from noon to 8. Noon to we have 12 performing acts, uh, basically representing uh, many of the different cultures in Madison, uh, from African drumming uh, to Mexican dance. Uh, for one of the first times ever in the history of Madison, from what I understand, we're going to have a live Indian orchestra that's uh, 
uh, going to be here uh, this weekend from India, and so they're going to perform while the Kalanjali um, Indian classical dance troupe performs. Um, we've got some jazz, gospel, soul, um, some steel pan music from Chicago, the Pots and Pan Steel Pan Band, to, so that the Caribbean is uh, represented, Japanese taiko drumming, so a vast array of performances that will go on for eight hours. So uh, we'll, we're trying to reflect the communities that we serve, and it's a very humble and imperfect image, but nonetheless. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Further discussion on the question? Seeing none on the motion, which is adoption. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. That takes us to item number three. Alderman Revere. Thank you. I move adoption of agenda item number three, a resolution honoring Madison Public Library's receipt of the 2016 National Medal for Museum and Library Science awarded by the Institute of Museum and Library Services at the White House on June 1st. Is there a second? Okay. And Mayor, uh, I'd like to recognize now Alderperson McKinney to read the honoring resolution for us as our representative on the library board. Thank you. Thank you very much. Whereas the National Medal for Museum and Library Service is the nation's highest honor given to museums and libraries for service to the community, given by the Institute of Museum and Library Sciences Services, and whereas the National Medal for Museum and Library Service honors outstanding institutions that make significant and exceptional contributions to their communities. Selected institutions demonstrate extraordinary and innovative approaches to public service, exceeding the expected levels of community outreach. And whereas Madison Public Library's vision of being your place to learn, share, and create, and commitment to community engagement has manifested itself in programs such as The Bubbler, which offers arts-based participatory learning experiences through hands-on pop-up pop workshops where participants learn a variety of arts and maker-based skills from the, the community experts. And whereas Madison Public Library provides a safe space in which community partners from social service agencies, literacy providers, and organizations that provide job and computer training offer critical services to Madison residents most in need of help, including transportation, counseling, housing assistance, meal assistance, tax assistance, and help in job seeking. And whereas the library's commitment to community efforts to address the achievement gap has resulted in partnerships to help children, teens, and their parents learn about the importance of early literacy and developing literacy skills. These partnerships include parents as first teachers with Public Health of Madison and Dane County and Read Up with Madison Metropolitan School District and United Way of Dane County. And whereas Madison Public Library's commitment to reaching teens has resulted in the Making Justice Program, bringing bubbler artists and maker programs to juvenile detention centers through a partnership with UW-Madison and Dane County Juvenile Court Program, which encourages creative expression through activities such as writing, rap music, creating mural 
Funerals and Learning Digital Media Production Skills. And whereas Madison Public Library is the first public library in Wisconsin to receive the National Medal of Museum and Library Service in the medal's 22-year history. And whereas Library Director Greg Michaels and community member and library staff member Rob um, I wanted to call him uh, Rob Dees. Rob Franklin accepted the award for Madison Public Library in a ceremony at the White House in December in Washington, D.C. on June 1, 2016. They were joined by Madison Public Library Board President Tracy Kozetsky. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the mayor and common council of Madison honor Madison Public Library's receipt of the 2016 National Medal for Museum and Library Service. Thank you. Discussion on the, on the resolution? Seeing none, let me just, just congratulate. Uh, um, Greg Michaels couldn't be here tonight uh, because he is can you hear me okay? He is serving on a panel in Washington, D.C. at the Congressional Makers Caucus. So he is talking about our bubbler program with the IMLS folks who gave us this wonderful award. Um, my name is Chrissy Wick. I'm the Director of Public Services, so I am serving as Acting Director when Greg is out of town. Um, he did send some remarks that he wanted me to share. He says, I want to thank all of you for recognizing the library with this proclamation. I am very proud of Madison Public Library receiving the National Medal. This level of achievement could not be possible without a host of factors that makes Madison a great city, which includes its tremendous support of our public libraries. Madison embraces the value of its libraries and has a real appreciation for the resources, programs, and services we offer. In addition, we could not achieve this level of excellence without the support of Mayor Soglin and the Common Council. We are grateful for your recognition of how Madison's public libraries do make a difference in our community. And I am always in awe of the dedication and hard work of the library staff to deliver this level of service. In recent days, I've been asked several times, why did Madison Public Library receive a national medal? As I share the many ways in which we engage the community, I am always left with a sense of amazement myself by the number of ways library staff provide innovative solutions to meeting the needs of the community. There are so many stories I could share that illustrate how the library impacts so many individuals. I also need to recognize the other city departments and outside agencies that we partner and collaborate with to expand our capacity to reach more people than we could with just library resources. Receiving a national medal is a team achievement that involves contributions at many levels. Although this is a time to recognize the achievements of Madison Public Library, this is also a time to recognize the city of Madison. We are all winners of the national medal. Thank you, Mayor Soglin and members of the Common Council, and thank you, Madison. Thank you. <laughs> Further discussion? Seeing none on the motion to adapt. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Um, Alderman Revere. Thank you, Mayor. At this time, I'd like the Council to uh, consider agenda item number six, the presentation of the 2016 Reverend James C. Wright Human Rights Award by the City of Madison Equal Opportunities Commission. Is there a motion? 
Second, if you're motion looking for second, all those in rules. favor, aye. 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 Opposed, no. Motion carries. Motion, please. Um, King. I move the presentation of the G, uh, Reverend James C. Wright Human Rights Award to Annette Miller. Is there a second? Second. There is. Alderman King. It's my honor and privilege to read this. The Reverend James C. Wright Human Rights Award honors the late Reverend James C. Wright, who served as Executive Director of the Equal Opportunities Commission from its inception in 1968 until his retirement in 1992. The award is given to an individual who best exemplifies Reverend Wright's dedication and compassion for civil and human rights and conducts their life consistent with these values. This year's recipient, Annette Miller, has demonstrated a long-term commitment to civil and human rights through her various methods of service to the greater Madison community, professionally and personally. Her grassroots leadership is extraordinary and dedicated to improving the quality of life for individuals in the Madison community. Taking the lead to make a difference is her philosophy. Annette serves as a connector and bridge between community, business, government, and nonprofits to transform the greater Madison area into an inclusive, vibrant, and resilient regional community. Annette Miller has lived in Madison since 1989. She started her career in state government providing policy, budget, and project management skills on topics such as new program development, workforce issues, and operational best practices for 11 years. In 2003, she accepted an opportunity as mayor's aide where she expedited and advanced community and neighborhood issues and projects on behalf of the mayor. Since 2005, she has been at Madison Gas and Electric Company as the Emerging Markets and Community Development Director. Some examples of her commitment, dedication, and leadership to the Madison community include acting as loaned executive to help fundraise and lead the Urban League of Greater Madison to complete the $4.1 million capital campaign and search for the next CEO in 2010. She was instrumental in helping Mayor Chislevich build a vision for Allied Drive to improve housing, safety, education, and employment concerns of this neighborhood that is considered low income, a food desert, and isolated from the broader community due to the original design of the neighborhood and being shared by two municipalities. She helped start and grow organizations like the Madison Network of Black Professionals, founding member of the Black Chamber, Minority Business Advisory Council, and has advised many other organizations on how to grow and make an impact in their community with empowerment in mind. A lead collaborator in the development and design of an inclusive engagement program for MG&E in collaboration with community partners to engage African American and Latino members of the community around the topic of sustainability. She and the team of collaborators created a space for these community members to see themselves in the sustainability movement. In 2014, they graduated 30 households and currently have over 1,800 members of these community members following them through social media to share their stories about food, water, waste, transportation, health, and much more. Serves as board of director for Allied Community Cooperative to help them analyze and assess the feasibility of a grocery store in their neighborhood community. Mentoring, coaching, and advisor of many boards and community-based nonprofits on how to strengthen themselves through fundraising, board development, inclusive engagement, and strong strategic planning to build a resilient and sustainable organization for its members and community. Instrumental in helping to develop and coordinate a partnership and engagement strategy for MGE to ensure a diverse, broad, and inclusive voice for its Energy 2030 framework. 
The result of the effort was engagement of hundreds of diverse community, individual, nonprofit, and business stakeholders in the conversation and process. So this is just a small sampling, as it indicated, of um, Annette's uh, contribution to the community and her dedication to civil rights. So it's, it's my honor um, to, um, to present the award for the Reverend James C. Wright Human Rights Award um, to Annette Miller. everyone. I really am quite speechless and overwhelmed. Um, when I first heard about receiving this award, um, I was glad I was sitting um, because it, it was emotional and it was, it was, I'm just excited, honored, humbled, um, but I feel really blessed um, to receive this nomination of the Reverend James C. Wright Human Rights Award. Um, blessed because I know I didn't do this alone or by myself. Um, you can't do work like this as an individual. You do this collaboratively, you do it collectively, and you do it with many people um, besides you and around you to make it happen. So thank you. I want to thank the EOC Commission and the Department. I'd like to thank Mayor Soglin and the Council for seeing the work I do in the same vein as Reverend James C. Wright himself and also the past nominees who have also received this award before me. I also want to thank Don Krim, my good friend for the nomination. Um, again, feeling blessed to have people like her in my corner, so thank you. I want to thank my husband and my children who are to my left and to your right, uh, Mike, Michaela, Janai, and her good friend, Aaliyah. Um, it's because of their love and support that my cup is filled and refilled every day, and it makes me possible to do this work in a meaningful and authentic way, so thank you. Um, though I didn't get to meet Reverend Wright myself personally, I've had the honor of interacting with his family and also many mentees of his over the years, and it's been a privilege, it's a privilege to be honored in his name and for the work um, that he's done to build and bridge and create inclusive, resilient communities, neighborhoods, and organizations, and businesses that ensure well-being for those who call this city home. It, it truly is. Um, I love this city as he did, and like him, I saw the possibilities and I see the possibilities and the opportunities for making this community a place, to, a place for all who want to call it home. I love making possibilities of what Madison can be into intentional, equitable reality for all. In closing, I want to say thank you to those in this room and those who are here in spirit because this work is never done alone and it could not be done without the support of all of you, the broader community, my work community, and my friends and colleagues. 
So thank you again for this honor and recognition. I'm moved beyond words to have received such strong support and affirmation around this work, and I feel really privileged to be able to do this work every day. So thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Congratulations to you and to your family for sharing your time with all of us. Further discussion on the question? Seeing no? Alderman King? Sorry, I am going to talk some more. Um, so I am, I am proud because Annette is my constituent. Um, and uh, she said something moved beyond words, which doesn't happen often, just so we're clear. She is gifted with her words. If, in case you have never witnessed her in action, part of the reason why she's been able to accomplish so much is because she's great at influencing people um, to do the right thing. And uh, we're gifted as a community to have you uh, around. And I just want to mention quickly, since Shiva and I are both here and we're the current co-chairs of the Madison Area Diversity Roundtable, that is a huge I, I think that's a big accomplishment in and of itself to be a founding member of that group. And it's so so small in the list of your accomplishments, it didn't even make our talking points list. So I feel compelled to bring that up. That's an organization of all the largest, pretty much all the largest employers in Madison that get together and share best practices around a number of things like workforce issues and, and just recruiting and, and just overall diversity and inclusion. And um, I think, you know, the the community, the greater Madison area owes a debt to you also for being involved in that from its inception. And when I joined it six years ago with my organization, um, she was the chair then and um, continued to guide it uh, up until the year before last uh, and remains a strong and powerful member of it. Shiva, would you disagree? Um, so, Annette, again, thank you for everything that you've done uh, for our community and for, uh, for all the work that you're going to do. Thank you. Further discussion? Seeing none, on the uh, motion to adopt, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Um, thank you all very much. We take up now item number four, petition received in the clerk's office from the city of Madison to attach MWU Old Sock Parcel from the town of Middleton to the city. It'll be uh, referred for introduction through the clerk's office. There's no objection. Is there any objection? Seeing none, we'll move on to the one public hearing. Item number five, declare a public hearing open on the general ordinances to Plan Development District at 601 Langdon Street. The hearing is open. The recommendation of the council is to adopt. And we have a registration from Amy McNally, supporting, available to answer questions. Um, Roger Life, supporting, available to answer questions. Maya Sanrine, supporting, available to answer questions. Other questions of any of the registrants? Seeing none, we'll declare the hearing closed. Uh, Alderman Revere, can we have a motion on item five? Thank you. I move to adopt the report of the plan commission and its recommendations. Thank you. Is there a second? Is there discussion? 
Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Alderman Revere, the consent calendar. Thank you. At this time, a consent agenda will be moved with the recommended action listed for each item on our agenda, except the following. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with our procedure, I'll mention that these are items that have registrants wishing to speak, items which require an extraordinary roll call vote and are not included on the consent agenda by unanimous consent, and lastly, items which older persons have separated out for discussion debate purposes. With that, I move to formally adopt each of the recommendations as noted on our agenda this evening with the following exceptions and uh, announcements. First, agenda item 13 and 30 are extra majority items that will be recorded as unanimous votes as a part of this consent motion unless exclusion is requested. They are, for the record, a resolution amending the 2016 operating budget to appropriate $6,400 from the contingent reserve to direct appropriations for purposes of installing a water line at the Rennebaum Park Community Garden and two uh, item 30, a resolution amending the 2016 adopt a capital budget for the community development division by authorizing the mayor and city clerk to enter into a contract with the Wisconsin Economic Development Corporation to accept a $150,000 site assessment grant to fund environmental remediation and demolition work on the property at 1902 Tennyson Lane and 1802 Packers Avenue. Additionally, as a part of this motion, for agenda item 65, a resolution declaring the city's ongoing commitment and increased efforts to make voter registration maximally accessible, convenient, and modern. Uh, the Equal Opportunities Commission recommends adoption. The motion on the consent motion will be adoption. For agenda item 79, uh, a resolution accepting a report and recommendations of the Housing Strategy Committee for market rate ownership report. There's a request as part of this introduction for an additional referral to the Economic Development Committee. Excluded and will be um, treated separately with separate motions are the following items on our agenda. First, of course, a regular update from the Greater, Greater Madison Convention of Visitors Bureau and the Mansonary Sports Commission. So Deb Archer will address us shortly as item 12. Additionally, there are speakers wishing to be heard tonight for agenda item number 14, a resolution approving a recommendation of the RFP review team and choosing the Doyan Group to act as the fund manager for the Entrepreneurship and Small Business Development Resource Fund and authorizing the mayor and city clerk to execute a contract to manage the fund. Additional separation uh, has been requested by Alderperson Rummel for agenda item 16, a resolution approving a second amendment, tax incremental district number 36, capital gateway corridor, approving a project plan and boundary, first set amended TIF. Additionally, Alderperson Rummel has requested separation for discussion of agenda item 32, a resolution authorizing the mayor, city clerk, and chief of the police to apply for and accept the fiscal year 2016 Edward Byrne Memorial Justice Assistance Grant Award in the amount of $96,148 and utilize these funds to support several law enforcement initiatives and amend budgets accordingly. Additionally, there is at least one speaker wishing to be heard tonight on agenda item number 43 which is a resolution approving the plans and specifications for the intersection of Jennifer Street and South Ingersoll Street. So that shall be separated. And then lastly, uh, for agenda item number 
68 uh, uh, ordinance amendment uh, relating to uh, approaching a vehicle and making it illegal to approach the front or side of a vehicle in operation on the highway for any purpose uh, that has been um, requested for separation and so we will shall separate that as well with a likely motion to re-refer. Is there a second to that motion? Okay, motion is second. So consequently, once this motion is adopted, we will have acted on the balance of the agenda with the following exceptions. 12, 14, 16, 32, 43, and 68. Those items will then be taken up in numeric order. Alden Gruber. Uh, thank you, Mayor Sogland. I'd like to uh, note that item number 33, the uh, city agreement with uh, MMSD, I, I'd like to disclose that I am an employee of the Madison Metropolitan School District, but it does not impact me personally on the advice. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. On the motion, then, all Alderman Bedar. Um, thank you, Mr. Mayor. I need to recuse myself from item number 11 uh, as I work in management at UW Health, and I feel that there is a conflict of interest there. That will be so noted. Alderman King. Ditto, except I don't work for UW Health. I work for FSM Health. <laughs> Very good. So noted. Anything else? On the motion to adopt, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. We'll now turn to item number 12. We have a motion on item number 12. I move to accept the report of the Greater Madison Convention and Visitors Bureau and the Madison Area Sports Commission. And, Thank and again, the CEO, um, Deb Archer, will be presenting for us this evening. Good evening, everyone. Thank you. Um, I'm just going to take a, a second to um, say that I was very touched by the award that the library got and Greg Michaels and his staff and then the award that Annette got because she's a very special human being. And we live in an amazing town with amazing people. and I get a little emotional about it, but anyway, I thought that was worth saying. Um, so this performance report was just presented to the Nona's Harris Board. We report to them quarterly also, um, but we really appreciate uh, the time to be able to talk to you about what we've been working on and what's ahead. Um, so one of the uh, uh, numbers that we show every year are numbers that we receive uh, normally in May through the State Department of Tourism about what visitors have spent in our community the prior year. And so in 2015, the visitor in, uh, spending impact continued to increase. Uh, the total spending, which includes induced and uh, indirect benefit, was $1.98 billion. The direct spending increase was up 6.2% to $1.15 billion. I will tell you that our increase in Dane County, again, was 6.2%. The state was about 4.4%. Milwaukee's was 3.5%. So we had a very strong year in Dane County for visitation and visitor spending. Employment in our sector was up 3%. The state, it was up 1.6%. Ours was one of the highest in the state in terms of growth and employment, and also in terms of labor income increase, which we all like to see, which was up 8.1%, um, up to about $600 million. Um, and the visitor spending generated about $150 million in uh, state and local taxes from uh, visitors that came to Dane County. 
Um, in terms of our work, direct work, since the beginning of this year, uh, we've contracted for 68 future events, and I'm floating away here on this table. Um, and that those um, events are expected to generate a little over $13 million uh, coming into the community in the future. We've contracted for about $200,000 worth of contract revenue from Monona Terrace. And just a note about that, um, when we book uh, business for Monona Terrace, that's only for the floor space. That doesn't include the food and beverage and um, other decorating and other things, uh, revenues that the Monona Terrace gets from that, and it normally about doubles. So it's probably about $400,000 worth of revenue for Monona Terrace. Some of the strategic things we've been working on, some of you, and I want to thank you, participated in our destination visioning survey and work, and we are very close um, to finishing the first phase of that. It's been very interesting to see what's been revealed by clients, visitors, people who live here, about what people perceive about our place, what we could do better, and what they enjoy about coming here. And it's also, it sets a platform for us about what we need to focus on in the future, and we will be sharing that this fall. Um, we've stayed, you know, as engaged as we can as you move forward on the Judge Doyle conversation. Obviously, the hotel and the whole project is of interest to us, and we look forward um, to you all being able to come to conclusion and moving forward with that. We're actively engaged in the conversation with Dane County about the reimagining of the Alliant Energy Center, and we're trying to stay very active in a leadership role and making sure that conversation continues to go forward. We see it as a tremendous transformational opportunity, not just about visitors, but about sort of igniting that entire segment of our community um, and a real opportunity for all of us. And we participated in the great um, um, activity that MG&E put together in their community engagement process, and uh, we're very honored to be a part of that. This slide um, illustrates a new campaign we have going on, a marketing campaign. We're spending about $60,000 um, in many markets, Chicago, Rockford, Milwaukee, um, eastern Iowa, Minnesota. And what we're doing is taking off uh, what the latitude and the longitude is of uh, Madison. And if you go to our website, you'll learn more about all the activities and the things that we're promoting about what there is to do. This talks, uh, the first one is about coordinate your next foodie adventure. Food is a big uh, piece of our of what we're uh, pr promoting, um, as well as other things to do. Um, I talked in the past, and I, we continue to talk about public relations. We work very hard to generate positive media about this place. And as of uh, May 31st, we've generated about a million dollars in positive um, publicity for us. And some of the um, places where we've been seen, we've been able to generate uh, publicity. Dossier, which is a section of United Airlines magazine, which appeared in January, has 139 million people view that magazine over the 31 days that it's in the airplane. Um, the Washington Post picked up stories about our Hotel Week um, promotion as well as the Daily Herald in Chicago, and um, we're very um, happy with those results. Uh, moving on, as a sports commission, a few things we just want to highlight. Um, on this slide at the bottom, um, we awarded about $20,000 worth of grants to uh, different organizations in the community, um, Vera Court Neighborhood, the Salvation Army, uh, Lucier Education Center, to get young people that have difficulty time getting into sports, providing them, the res those organizations, the resources to get involved in health and fitness and sports. 
We also, um, even though it was the 101st anniversary, we continue to work very hard with the support from the city about welcoming WIAA Boys Basketball Tournament, which took place in um, March. And we were very proud of the marketing um, um, promotions that our team put together um, in order to attract people here and make them feel welcome. The last thing I'll share with you are some of the confirmed events that are coming here um, this year that we thought you should know about. Earlier in the year, we had the USA Climbing event uh, down, down in Monona Terrace. Um, we had Mary Kay. We had the National Association of Campus Activities in April, and we just hosted the National Farm to School Network are some of the highlights of some of the things which recently took place. Some of the things we're looking forward to, uh, oh, we just had the Quantitative Genetics Conference, and then we have several very um, impressive groups coming soon, Society for Conservation Biology, the International Herpes Virus Workshop, which has come here once before, a segment of the American Meteorological Society. We're looking forward to the North American Association for Environmental Education and the Society of American Foresters, sort of our year of the environment. We have a lot of uh, really high high-profile environmental groups coming here. One other thing we wanted to make you um, remind you is that this is the 50th anniversary of World Dairy Expo from October 4 to 8, and so we'll be working very closely with them in the community to make sure they will feel welcome and that we thank them for not only coming here but also celebrating um, the dairy culture and heritage that our community has, which we're grateful for and um, honored to have here. And I will also say that Iron Man will come back for the 15th time um, in September, and it's also the 15th anniversary of 9-11, and it will occur on 9-11. So there will be some special things that happen um, at Iron Man this year. There are a lot of other information in the packet. Um, I encourage you to go through it, and I'd be happy to answer any questions if anyone has anything. Thank you. Questions? I just I'm curious on what if someone's going to coordinate a foodie adventure. What, what do we? What is that? What are you talking about? Well, about? there are companies. You want you want to try? <laughs> uh, sure. There are several companies actually in uh, Madison Food Explorers and some other companies that can come in and someone can come in and either take just a tour of facilities. They sometimes can work with chefs. They can work so they have ex actually experiential opportunities, and there are things like the Hophead Beer Tours where people can go and go from brewery to brewery. And so there are a lot of different aspects, cheesemaking um, opportunities. Okay. Further questions, discussion? Seeing none, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Uh, the motion before us is adoption. Further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Item. 14 is next. Alderman Verveer. Thank you. I move uh, adoption of the substitute resolution relating to the Entrepreneurship and Small Business Development Resource Fund. Is there a second? There is motion to second. We have a registration from Jorge Franco, uh, neither supporting or opposing but wishing to speak. Also a registration from Heather Wentler, supporting and available to answer questions. Thank you very much, Your Honor. Um, good evening, uh, Mayor Soglin, Common Council President Michael Verveer, members of the City of Madison Common Council, ladies and gentlemen. 
Thank you for this opportunity to speak on behalf of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce of Wisconsin. With me is HCCW Madison Senior Director Joanna Cervantes, who works very hard along with her team officed out of the HCCW Legislative and Regulatory Center of Excellence, just a short walk from here on the Capitol Square, in service to this great city of Madison. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. My name is Jorge Franco and I serve as the organization's chairman, president, and CEO. It is an honor for us to be with you today and to deliver successful programming to the city's residents, microenterprise sector, small businesses, as well as other public and private sector partner organizations. Founded nearly 45 years ago, the HCCW is a nonprofit 501c3 community development organization where diversity and inclusion is a high priority and where Latina growth and startups lead all other groups by more than three to one. Although it is an exciting time to be Hispanic and celebrate our Latina and Latino culture and heritage, our community faces many challenges in great part due to certain political headwinds uh, and climates at the state and national level. Despite these headwinds, our community continues to drive outstanding economic growth and development impact while the HCCW remains a friend to everyone. We maintain a focus on microenterprise and small business development, workforce development, and youth development and bring many years of national community development experience to Madison. The HCCW is a tireless advocate in support of its members and constituency. We are honored to be a part of this community and are proud of the fact that anyone of any ethnicity can access and participate in any one of the HCCW's programs and services. Throughout our many years of experience, the HCCW has provided business development assistance to thousands of entrepreneurs. The HCCW Talent Initiative is co-chaired by the HCCW's global partners, including Johnson Controls, and has outreached, recruited, trained, and assisted thousands of low and moderate income persons in preparation for high paying careers. At its last annual HCCW Honorary Scholars Luncheon, we announced more than 1.3 million in scholarships to some 270 recipients in search of education, economic opportunity, and prosperity. We congratulate the Doyen Group on its success, on its recent success in connection with the City of Madison Entrepreneurship and Small Business Development Resource Fund and wish them and the City of Madison great success in this program. We look forward to working with the City of Madison in the future to attract additional private funding the City of Madison, to the City of Madison and to attract entrepreneurs and their businesses as well. Thank you very much, Mayor, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Are there any questions of any of the registrants? If not, thank you very much. The motion before us is adoption. Discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. We'll take up item 16 at this time. Is there a motion? Move adoption. Is there a second? There is motion to second. Discussion? Alderman Romo. Thank you. Um, I asked for this to come off the agenda because there has been some discussion off and on in the neighborhood and just now on the eve of this vote about the TID and what the changes bring. And I'm just wondering if um, Matt or Natalie could give us an update on the parking structure and what's different about it and about how we plan to move forward on some of the issues that didn't get funded in the TID, such as um, small cap TIF or um, undergrounding or other kind of issues that are sort of on the future list. Sure, I'd be happy to. Alderamo, 
Uh, so the what's before the council this evening is a proposed amendment to TIP 36 to amend both the project plan and the boundary of the district. Uh, the amendment before you this evening includes uh, effectively two projects. Uh, the first is uh, TIF support to the Stonehouse project on the 1000 block of East Washington Avenue. It's a project that the council has already approved and this would be approving uh, the project plan in accordance uh, with that, that support, TIF support. The second project is the parking structure that would serve uh, the capital, uh, the 800 South Block of East Washington Avenue redevelopment, uh, which is otherwise known as the Cosmos. Uh, this is the uh, parking structure that's currently found uh, within the capital budget. Uh, we continue to work uh, with the Get Park Development Team and American Family Insurance on negotiating a, a development agreement for that project. Uh, increasingly, um, it looks like we will be uh, staying the course and it would be a public ramp. Uh, there has been some discussion of, about the alternative that it could be a private ramp, uh, but increasingly it looks like it will remain as a public ramp. Uh, so what this amendment would do uh, would basically provide funding uh, for those two projects. Uh, as Alder Rummel indicated uh, in conversations with both Alder Rummel and Alder Zellers, uh, the Marquette neighborhood and Tinney Lapa neighborhood uh, have indicated a desire to complete other projects uh, within that TIF district over time. Uh, there's been discussion about a possible small cap TIF loan program. There's been some discussion about possibly undergrounding utilities as well as some other public and private projects. Uh, in the future, um, as additional TID resources become available, uh, certainly if it's, if it's the will of the council and, and, and the neighborhoods, uh, the project plan can be amended in the future uh, to add additional projects. Further discussion? Seeing none, we'll come to vote on the question. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. That takes us to item 32. Is there a motion? Alderman Revere? Move adoption. Is there a second? Motion and a second. Uh, there's one registration. Gregory. Thank you. Either opposing or supporting, but wishing to speak. Um, this item in TART funds purchase of 10 body cams for SWAT. As everyone here may know, I've been a strong advocate of body cams, but I only support body cams if their use is appropriately regulated. I would suggest that if new body cams are to be purchased, it be done contingent on creation of an appropriate policy governing body cam use. I think that might be especially important given the conclusions of the body cam committee. An appropriate body cam policy can be based on provisions in Chris Taylor's body cam bill, SB 766, and the Massachusetts ACLU model body cam policy. I'll also note that an appropriate body to draft a body cam policy might potentially be the Police Policy and Procedure Review Committee, especially since it includes members of the prior body cam committee who had given thought to this matter. Also, whenever feasible, I'd suggest purchase of body cam models with pre-event buffering capacity of at least three minutes so that an officer could hit record after an event to retain what's captured in the buffer. Too often after an incident such as an officer-involved shooting, Officers will state that they weren't able to press record before the event, and therefore the incident was not recorded, defeating the point of having the body cam. A pre-event buffer of at least three minutes would ensure that that couldn't occur. Thank you. Thank you. Are there any questions of the registrant? Seeing none, discussion? 
Seeing none, the Alderman Rummel. Thank you, Mayor. Um, I asked this to be pulled because um, I didn't realize until the Board of Estimates that we actually had body cameras that we were using. So I was curious about what policies we have. And so I engaged with Assistant Chief Williams and I believe Chief Cole is here, and there he is, and they're here to answer questions. I forward you all today, probably at the 11th hour, you might not have seen it, um, or my email string with my questions and the answers and the standard operating procedure they forwarded to me. And I just wanted to, you know, raise that and give um, us a chance to talk about, you know, body cameras in terms of, like, we did have a committee that looked at it, and just I just want to get the feedback of the council so that staff can hear and then get their input as well. So I, I don't know if I have a question exactly for the for the chief and the assistant chief, but um, um, I'll think about it. Uh, maybe somebody else can um, press in what I think. Alderman Carter. Yes. Can the chief um, tell me who these body cams are for? because I remember this coming up a while ago, and I believe we voted against it. Well, these body-worn cameras predated any of the discussions about uh, putting body-worn cameras universally on uniform patrol services. Uh, these predate going back four years, started under Chief Ray, and then when I was chief, I continued um, the practice because it is considered by way of SWAT, a best practice. Um, there's obviously a lot of claims that are made about property damage, the liability issues, and at the time it was first inspired and incorporated into our department, it came at the same time that we were seeing developing case law about the Castle Doctrine, which provides a, a homeowner a defense mechanism when attacked in the privacy of their home. And it was another way of articulating and showing the defensibility that the officers properly announced pursuant to a judicially authorized search warrant when they came in so as to make no mistakes about who was saying who they were and when they came in. So uh, these uh, were literally purchased at a time when they were over the counters, if you would see something at Best Buy and, of course, over normal wear and tear. They have run their normal life, and there are now sort of industrial strength um, platforms that can do some of the things that were uh, discussed in the earlier uh, representation in terms of buffering and things like that. So this would be replacement for those officers predominantly who would be on the entry teams and coming through those doorways. Mm -hmm. Further questions, Alderman Rommel? Um, on the question of... Um, visual facial recognition, I've, I've started to learn that some of the best practices um, is questions how th that information is used in broader searches. Do we have a policy about that or, or um, would we be able to, the kind of technology that would be able to be used in that way? I mean, do you have a sense about that yet? From our standpoint right now, the facial recognition elements for what these uh, platforms are intended are literally in their infancy stage. They're not that sophisticated for us to be able to capture. Uh, like anything else that's captured digitally, it would have an evidentiary value. 
uh, much as we do with our squad cars when we make traffic stops or interrogations involving Miranda considerations for adults and juveniles. So all of these are subject to open records requests, but uh, obviously as we go a little further down the line and await the results of the ad hoc committee and or any other body-worn best practice uh, recommendations that would come out, we would of course embrace and incorporate those into an SOP. Thank you. And my final question is, I'm sure you're, you're, you are aware of the Senate Bill 766 that has been introduced um, to talk about um, body cameras. And I just wondered if you or department has seen it and has any opinions on it yet? No, we haven't really gotten into that because, as I said, when I thought that the initial uh, study panel looking at body-worn cameras uh, came back with a less than definitive result at this time and I thought that that study was going to be then subsequently incorporated or rolled over into the ad hoc committee. We are sort of waiting to see what tenor and direction we get from our citizens before we move any further. Okay, thank you very much. You bet. Um, yes, our speaker mentioned the three-minute Offering and recommending that approach. Um, do you have any comments or input on that concept? The buffering is already a, com a component that is used in our squad car cameras, so it obviously does exist. And with the new platforms that are coming out, the technology would have a buffering component. I would not have this, this the metrics right now in terms of what the uh, industry standards are in terms of buffering, but we would look at that, of course. Further questions? Seeing none, discussion on the question? Seeing none on the motion, which is adoption. All those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. That takes us to item 43. Uh, is there a motion, please? Move to adopt. Is there a second? Motion in a second. We have a registration from Tara Camfield uh, opposing and wishing to speak. Hi, everybody. Um, you all probably have a copy of this, and uh, I will be referring to it as I talk. My name is Tara Camfield, and uh, my husband and I live at 1112 Jennifer Street, <laughs> um, which is this third house right here. Um, we've lived here for eight years, and um, since I've lived here, I've had a, an issue with um, buses idling at the bus stop that's been right here. Uh, they, Madison Metro uses the Ingersoll Jennifer stop as a driver transfer station and also to schedule adjust. So if they're ahead of schedule, they wait at this stop and idle for 10 to 15 minutes at a time. Um, I think that over the years, especially the last 20 years, the number of buses on Jennifer Street has increased significantly. I counted this morning based on the February 2016 Madison Metro Ride Guide and there are 161 buses that travel down Jennifer Street, a residential street, every weekday. And I think that's a lot. Um, anyway, uh, the current plan that I'm asking you to not approve extends this bus stop all the way down to here, which is an extremely long bus stop and it puts two bus pads where before there was only one. 
Um, the idling causes a lot of safety issues. Any issues that you would have with a bus in, on a residential street is exacerbated because of the idling. For instance, if a bus is stopped here and it's idling for 10 to 15 minutes, a car often will not wait to take that right-hand turn, and they'll take the turn, and then any pedestrian that's trying to cross is at risk because there's absolutely no line of sight there. Um, additionally, I've circled all the blind driveways with the current proposal. If there's an idling bus here, there's absolutely no safe way for us to leave our driveway. Um, we would have to wait for the bus to move. If it was just a normal bus stop, that wouldn't be a big deal. But if it's 10 to 15 minutes, there are six cars that use our driveway because it's a shared driveway. And there are lots of bicycles using Jennifer Street. I just don't think that this is a safe proposal. And I would like that for you to not approve it. Um, I've been working with the MNA um, board and the traffic committee. In fact, Gary Tipler sent out an email. He's the chair of the traffic committee asking for you to not approve this plan. Um, he thinks that we need to come up with the neighborhood, Madison Metro, and the Transit and Parking Commission, a plan that is safe um, and that makes everybody happy. Um, and a lot of my neighbors and I are starting to lean towards just keeping the buses on Willie Street permanently. I think that Willie Street is a commercial thoroughfare. It's a main road. There are traffic lights that make it safer for pedestrians. There are not as many bicycles. And there are a lot of community centers that help the disabled and disadvantaged people that heavily utilize traffic, transit. Okay, that's all. Oh, I have another minute? Oh. Is there objection? Say no. Go right ahead. Okay, I talked really fast, so I thought I would be fine. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I just think that the, there are a lot of people that their destination is Willie Street, not Jennifer Street. And I think with the number of buses increasing, it makes sense to move the buses to Willie Street. And I'm just, I know that you can't vote on this today. I'm just trying to push this issue forward. And I'm looking for support and ideas and feedback on that issue. But today, I think you would be doing the neighborhood a favor if you do not approve the plan in front of you and then I will work very hard to come up with something that's satisfactory with all of our neighbors and the association and Alder Rummel who has been very helpful. That's all now I'm done. Questions, discussion, questions of the speakers? Seeing none, thank you very much. Thank you. Discussion on the question, Alderman Rummel. Drew Beck is here from Metro, and um, I alerted him to the, this conversation. And it's been an ongoing conversation, as you can well imagine, as anyone who's undergone a major street reconstruction with buses can attest to. And if you'd asked me five years ago whether buses should go on Willie Street, I would have just said, like, you would think that should be okay, but it just seems like just too much insurmountable. But now suddenly with all the new development on the north side of Williamson, and there's just as many people, if you think of the density that live on the other side as live in the, you know, the single family, I'm like open to looking at it. So we have this opportunity now, and I'm wondering if, Drew, how will we use this opportunity we've had to with the detour to look at this question of whether we can move buses to to Willie Street and what would be involved and can you help also answer the question about if this were approved tonight and we had extra bus pads I think that's one of the concerns what happens to them you mean after the construction's done and there's the bus pads there and the buses stay on Willie Street correct okay that I mean 
from from Metro's perspective, it's kind of two separate issues. Um, with with the two bus pads at, at that um, that particular stop, we're kind of um, solidified, solidifying reality the way it, it, we're actually already operating there. Um, most often, there's only one bus that, that uses the bus stop, but there's a, there's occasions where, let's say, the first bus is late and the second bus comes up behind it, that it's going to need to have passengers get on and off, and uh, and then that second bus would would take off and leave. And um, so we we want to have boarding pads uh, for passengers that are that are getting on the second bus, as well as if we have to deploy a, a wheelchair lift. Uh, or a ramp, uh, so so a disabled passenger can get on the bus. And so, I mean, in reality, we're actually there. There are occasions where two buses pull up there. It's just that we don't have a, a boarding pad for the second bus. Um, as, as to the question of Willie Street, um, we are running on Willie Street right now as a result of the construction project. Uh, that's our detour, our official detour, and. Uh, we're going to be evaluating kind of what effect Willie Street has on our on-time performance because um, we don't want to uh, jeopardize connections at either end of the routes at the transfer points. And uh, so we're, we're keeping a pretty close eye on the operation of that just, just to see if there's any, any uh, chronic problems or, or maybe even potentially some benefits. Thank you. And so if neighbors want if, or if alders wanted to engage this, what, what would you recommend? Is it a request of the TPC to um, review that? I mean, what would be the, the, the way to move this review forward? Yeah, I would think that would be a request to the TPC because it would be an official uh, route change and a fairly significant one at that. And, you know, it's got repercussions for the, the uh, businesses along Willie Street and and uh, other passengers too. Thank you. Further discussion? Seeing Alden Cheeks. I know that uh, Metro collects a lot of data on its buses. How difficult is it for you to, um, to do that evaluation that you described about uh, uh, timeliness performance? Is that something that you press a couple buttons and you can have that? <laughs> Well, several buttons. Um, <laughs> it's it's a it's a it's a, a huge database that we go into, but it's it's reasonably easy for us to build a query and go through there and, and, and examine those particular routes that are that are operating on the detour. So yeah, it's not a not a huge deal. So that's the sort of thing that you could easily provide to mm -hmm. say Alderamo. Mm -hmm. Indeed. All right. Cool. Thank you. Lauren Revere. Thank you. I'm not sure if this is a question for Mr. Beck or for City Engineer Phillips, but I'm curious what impact there would be, if any, uh, if we referred this agenda item. Uh, I know that the reconstruction is underway, but it, I know it's also projected to go into the fall. So uh, given the testimony uh, that we just heard, is there an immediate need to adopt the plans and specs for this intersection tonight? There, uh, there, the project, as you said, is under construction. Uh, I believe they've, they've been working on water main. Uh, in the next couple of weeks, few weeks, they'll be going to storm sewer, uh, which will impact uh, the, the street in this area as, as designed. 
Um, I'm not sure if uh, hopefully the council uh, understands generally what's happening here, but um, the issue involves um, two bus stops on Jennifer Street at Ingersoll Street. The, the uh, plan that was adopted um, called for the change in the bus stop location um, at that intersection to um, to a far side stop, so they're currently near side stops. So there are bump outs um, located on the near side of the intersection, uh, and the revision takes out those those bump outs. Um, so the bus stop can be maintained in its current position and um, with no bump outs at all at the intersection uh, there would be some flexibility to move bus stops around in the future if, uh, if uh, that was uh, desired. So I guess in summary uh, the, the project is under construction and the plans uh, have, been, have been previously approved by the Common Council for a, uh, two bump outs on the near side of the intersection, any, one in each direction on the near side. And this, uh, if, if no change is made, that's the way it would be built. Uh, if, the, if the revision to plans and specs are approved uh, tonight or at some time in the future, uh, then uh, no, bump, uh, no bump outs would be uh, installed and the bus stop uh, would remain uh, in its uh, current location. So, thank you for the background, Mr. Phillips. Uh, so, back to the main question, which is, is there urgency to adopt the revised plans and specs tonight? For example, the folks testifying, obviously, uh, do not wish to have a concrete pad in their terrace area, which they currently don't have. And so, uh, is there a need to vote to to decide on the concrete pad tonight or not? Uh, the actual installation of the pad would occur sometime later, but in the in the near future, we will need to know the curb location so that we can install the inlets that will serve the the area. And so we need an answer on the bump outs, which are removed in the revised plan and in the wrong place for the bus stops uh, currently as proposed in the wrong place uh, per the Transportation Commission's uh, decision. Understood. So if, if uh, for example, the route is moved to Willie Street, obviously there will be, there would be, I presume, a desire to have bump outs at this intersection. Uh, so anyway, that, that's the basis of my question. Are you, what, what is the timeline? Do you... I don't. Your staff need to have an answer from us tonight on. I am not confident, Alder, that the decision to move to Willie Street could be made um, that quickly. I think there is there is a chance that the decision could be made in time to remove the bump outs from the plan. I'm sorry to remove the. I'm sorry to remove the bus pads from the plan because that's a much later um, issue but I would be concerned about the ability to make a decision um, that would allow us to put the bump outs uh, in 
if that decision involves uh, moving the bus route to Willie Street. So then as it relates to the storm water inlets, do you have a timing as to when Capital Underground needs to know? Well, not exactly, uh, but I would say within the next month. In the next month. Okay. Thank you very much. Alderman Aarons. Uh, I just wanted to say, as a member of the Transportation uh, and Parking Committee, we spent months on this one bus stop. One bus stop. Uh, I think there were either three or four hearings on this um, until the people who came and testified were saying, oh, it's really great seeing you all again, uh, because they had been such frequent visitors. Um, so we've gone through this particular issue many, many times. Uh, we had um, multiple options and alternatives presented from uh, Madison Metro. We heard from MNA. We heard from the older from the sixth district. We heard from everybody whose bus was going to stop in front of the house, except for the people who were here tonight. Um, I don't think that they came to any of the meetings. Um, so this has been reviewed pretty intensively. And um, I don't, as a member of that committee, I would not look forward to going through it again. Thank you. Further discussion on the question? Alderman Memo. Thank you, Mayor. Thank you. Um, thanks to uh, Mr. Phillips for reminding us that what's adopted now was going to add bump bump outs at the, the near side and as, as uh, Elder Ernst pointed out, all the far side neighbors showed up at TPC and then when the new revised plan had a bump out on the near side, and I'm sorry to take you all to the weeds, but bear with me then, you know, they got agitated and so the solution from staff was just to take out all the bump outs so that's where we are now and the question really is of pads and what I hear from Mr. Phillips is that we have a time to decide that in a way that won't like commit all these pads and we can also start the process of working towards looking at a change so with hearing all that and appreciate the testimony of my neighbors coming out and all the hard work you did to put together this and we've adopted her in the neighborhood we're getting her to work and um but anyway i would just say that we shouldn't really delay but we should i will certainly stay on with working with uh, staff to make sure that we can address the issue of pads in a timely way if they can come out. Thank you. Further discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor of adoption, aye. aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. That takes us to the last item on the agenda, item 68. Alderman Verveer. Thank you, Mayor. Uh, I have a request from um, some colleagues that serve on the Public Safety Review Committee to um, actually move re-referral to the Public Safety Review Committee of the uh, ordinance uh, agenda item number 68 relating to um, approaching runner side of a vehicle and operation of a highway for any purpose. Thank you. Motion, is there a second? Second. Motion is second. We do have a registration, Gregory. Opposing? <coughs> Hello again. The more I thought about this, the more apparent it's become that the proposal is unwise. 
As someone pointed out to me, under the proposal, many taxi pickups would apparently become ordinance violations. Anytime someone calls out to me for directions and I approach the vehicle, it would apparently be an ordinance violation. Anytime my spouse pulls out from where she's parked so I can get in the car, where passenger entry was blocked by instruction while the car was parked, it would appear to be an ordinance violation. Anytime my spouse waits for me to come over to the car um, to ask me to grab some milk at the co-op, or if I approach my neighbor's car to ask if I can borrow the lawnmower, it would apparently be an ordinance violation. Even standing and talking to someone on a bike that's on the street would appear to be an ordinance violation, etc. The other comment I'll make, I suggest that an ordinance change such as this should be run through a formal equity analysis, looking at impact on protected classes prior to being voted on. The call people have commented to me that, at least in their experience, black folks socialize in the street standing around cars more often than white folks, and they feel that there would be a disparate racial impact of such an ordinance. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you. Are there any questions of the registrant? Seeing none, Alderman McKinney. Thank you, Mr. Mayor. Uh, I was one of the, I sit on the Public Safety Review Committee, and I've received a lot of uh, communication related to this ordinance, and um, uh, there was no opportunity for public uh, input and also going through a racial equity lens. So I would like to have it re-referred so that we can really begin to deeply research and understand what's before us. And I don't think that, um, I think we need to have an opportunity to go through it again. Thank you. Further discussion on the matter? Seeing none on the question, which is re-referral, all those in favor, aye. Aye. Opposed, no. Motion carries. Um, announcements are in order before a motion to adjourn. Happy birthday, Alderman Skidmore. Are there introductions? Alderman Verveer. Thank you. I move to uh, introduce and refer to the Board of Estimates the following two resolutions. First, authorizes the mayor and city clerk to execute an agreement to fund an $800,000 Madison Capital Revolving Fund loan to Sherman Plaza Incorporated to assist RP Pasta Company's build out of 28,000 square feet for commercial food production purposes and the goal of retaining 24 uh, FTE jobs and creating 20 FTE jobs in five years in the former Coles grocery store located at 2901 North Sherman Avenue. The second resolution likewise authorizes the mayor and city clerk to execute an agreement to fund an $80,000 Madison Capital Revolving Fund loan to Sherman Plaza Incorporated to partially fund leasehold improvements to the former Coles grocery store located at 2901 North Sherman Avenue. The uh, request is for introduction for referral. Is there any objection? Seeing none, it's so ordered. Further items before we adjourn? Anything else before we adjourn? Alderman Revere? Pardon? Is there I, I have nothing further. I believe Alderperson King would like to make a motion. <laughs> <laughs> is there a second? Second. All those in favor? Opposed, no. Motion carries. <laughs>